Comics. Comics. Welcome to ORP, otherwise known as Omen Revelations Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nunley. And I'm your co-host, uh, Steve Sellers. On ORP, we like to talk about geek stuff, pop culture, including movies and TV series, as well as comic books and comic characters. Uh, but that's not all, is it, Mike? No, it's not, Steve. We're also writers for Omen, Omen Comics and Revelation Comics. So we like to talk about both writing and our comics. So podcast and chill with us. In our fifth Indie Comics Creator Spotlight, Steve and I are talking with fellow Wicked Crew member Cody Fernandez of Ironverse Comics and the creator-writer of Jack Irons' The Steel Cowboy comic book series that is currently running an Indiegogo campaign for issue number four of the series. Why don't you say hi, Cody? <laughs> Howdy, so, folks. So um, let's just get right into this. Um, I have a, I have a two-part question for you, Cody. Um, oh. All right. I, I know from uh, previous talks that you've been working on this story for uh, quite a while, and I was hoping you could tell us um, both what your inspirations were for Jack Irons and the Ironverse, and if you could describe the creation process from well, those inspirations to the actual script itself for issue number one. Oh, absolutely. So uh, there's a lot of meat there, so I'm, I'm happy to get into it. So um, let's see. Uh, inspiration. We'll start there. So, so Jack himself was kind of a um, the character, the idea, the genesis of of you know what I do um, was was from the the transition from from childhood to adulthood and the growing awareness of the human experience and human condition, history and and all that weight and figuring out how to continue moving forward with that and maybe leave the place a little bit better than you found it and. Um, so, so that's like the the initial bit, but then what what that manifested as, of course, from from actual direct influences, right? Um, so one good example that kind of had it at its core is uh, the uh, anime series Samurai Jack. Um, it also features a character with um, many cultures coming together into a single individual, training a single individual to uh, face a great. Uh, evil in that case a coup a uh, you know some kind of demonic wizard um, with Ironverse comics it was kind of similar it was a it was a in this case however um, that transition from childhood to adulthood that that weight of human experience and, and the human condition uh, for me it was uh, how I wanted to tackle it and came in two parts first part was um, putting the weight of history and and uh, all of that in it, both both the the good, the bad, uh, both perpetrating it and being victimized by it uh, into a single individual. So that's the reincarnated bit where he has many many lives that uh, have fell, fallen on both of those spectrums. And then the second part was well, if you were burdened with that life and you remembered so much, why wouldn't you want to move on? And so in Jack's case, uh, I made it so he couldn't move on. <laughs> I made him immortal. <laughs> 
in this final life. So he's stuck with coping it. He's stuck with watching uh, humankind kind of break down and make mistakes again and again, make the same mistakes, right? And um, with that, and 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 his Aku, his his. Um, great enemy and it's not just him it's 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 iron versus great enemy as the four pillars of iron verse comics are the uh four horsemen of the apocalypse they're kind of almost a lovecraftian gods that manifest on a planet when enough of their um namesakes you know enough famine and suffering or enough warfare or enough uh nasty science or enough death have uh occurred in a sentient species history to their civilizations uh right they uh rip their way into reality and seek to perpetuate themselves um they uh, uh, uh the best way is they they want to be the only game in town and and uh even amongst each other so the the three main brothers uh tend to war Amongst itself, uh, war, famine, and plague, and uh, death kind of is a little bit less. Uh, I'm pretty sure he knows his end game, so he, he's not so worried about it, and tend to see less of him. But um, other influences, of course, you'll see uh, spaghetti western influences from Clint Eastwood uh, films. You'll see um, some anime influences, particularly some Cowboy Bebop and Trigon. You'll see some. Um, uh mad max was a big one um comics wise you'll see jonah hex you'll see a little bit of punisher you see a little bit of hellblazer in terms of how we handle occult themes um you'll see a, a whole bu a bunch of those those influences things that i um took to heart and then wanted to adjust for what i'm trying to accomplish with ironverse comics well, yeah, I, I think I have noticed some of those uh, while reading this. And uh, I will say, like, um, I noticed early on, Cody, how much you love Westerns. And I think definitely the Clint Eastwood thing is in there. Um, and, and it comes through in Jack Irons. And that's a strong part of the appeal to, for him to me because uh, I'm a huge Western fan myself. So um, the passion uh, for the Western mythos is one of those things that I really appreciate about the series. So what makes a good Western for you? Um, are there any particular Westerns that you're drawn to or any Westerns that, uh, other than uh, Clint Eastwood, that were an influence on uh, Jack Iron specifically? Well, um, again, in a way, Cowboy Bebop has those elements. And again, Trigun is, is that too. I like weird Westerns uh, quite a bit. Um, a lot of Samurai films, again, Samurai Jack. It, it's mm -hmm. it's the, the core of, of Westerns that I've, I've come across. And, and some people who have studied them um, have brought it up. But um, one of the core themes is a dead man's walk. And so I gave a, a an immortal a dead man's walk. I thought that was kind of fun. But but the concept is is something something it's like a hero's journey but with the tragedy built in at the beginning instead of simply a calling um it's usually uh, it can be a stranger wandering into town right and then solving that town and then wandering back out and you don't really know much more about him just the actions he did um that's always great and a lot of the clint eastwood man with no name um uh, trilogy is like that um there's um there, there's there's a lot of those elements right but um, specifically, like I pull from from so much that it's kind of hard to to pin anything down specifically. Uh, besides the Clint Eastwood westerns, um, uh, Silverado is a classic I love, and mm. I try to I try to have a little bit of upbeat um, kind of flavor like that, so I don't wallow too much in the the heavier side of the work. Um, uh, let's see. Um, 
they always like when I'm when I'm called to bring the things to mind. They always dodge my my neurons. Always dodge it. Um, ah, there are others, but they're not jumping to mind right now. It's really just probably Dances with Wolves was a massive yeah. influence for me forever. That that one finally got to me. Um, there's been quite a few. Um, Dance of Wolves in particular, the bridging of cultures and then the, the tragedies that are built into the West, of course, and there's quite a few. Um, uh, lo, lo, uh, the Lone Ranger is a big one in issue three. It, it's pretty much I'm riffing on the Lone Ranger the whole whole issue. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's quite a few. There's quite a few, but uh, that, that that's that's probably what I can pull out from the top of my head. Gunsmoke comes up quite a bit. Um uh, I mean, I could probably keep at it for a while, but that that that'll do. I can give folks a taste. All right. Uh, yeah, I I like some of those. I'm I'm curious about the. I've heard uh, I've heard uh, a lot of uh, shall we say split uh, split opinions about uh, dances with wolves. <laughs> um, are and and I'm just curious. Are, are you one of those director's cut, gotta watch the whole thing kind of people, or or are you a theatrical cut kind of guy? I've only seen it at whatever massive length it is, so I can't tell you the difference. Um, uh, so I'm assuming that's director's cut. I've never seen it labeled director's cut in, in anything I've seen, and it's a long film, so I I can't tell you. I can't tell you, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm for the for the full film. I don't know what scenes are cut or or not for theatrical, so I, I couldn't tell you. Um, there's a, a great example of that though, like Night and Day, that making a difference is is that uh, Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. It's Night oh, and Day between yes. d- between yeah. the director's cut and the original and the director's cut i really really enjoy oh huge difference between those two for sure so um as a as a guy who you know writes his own comics and i started my own little label uh, i got a question for you um you came up with this great idea for Jack Irons, and and you got this cool story and the Iron Verse going, uh, but now you got to put a team together to make it happen. Um, I know that I went through about four or five roster changes before I found the perfect team with Omen Comics, and uh, I'd like to hear how those early years of putting a team together went for you. I mean, how how did you meet the team you have now? All right. Well, that there's quite a few steps there as well. So. Um, when I started this, and it was about 17 years ago, again, I was writing this during that transitionary period uh, of my life. Um, I, I kind of just wrote it. I, I started writing um, uh, comic scripts um, once I kind of saw the potential of comics um, and, and, and the quite unlimited potential. I, I had started with uh, playwriting and script writing, so uh, it was kind of uh, similar in terms of how you can structure a script as well, which was nice. It was an easy transition, and um, I prefer that kind of writing to prose or even short story kind of writing. Um, but um, from there, I kind of sat on it for a while, and then a certain opportunity presented itself. Um, it was a sad opportunity, but it was an opportunity make make a make a uh, something good out of something bad, and I needed to put some positive energy into it. And so I had this project that had sat for quite some time. Uh, Jack Iron sitting there. I was like, well, you know what? Hey, I have a chance to get a little bit of, uh, of money and uh, try this out. And I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm a, you know, a relatively young man jumping into a business I, I have no business jumping into and having no idea how to do it. So I go online. I look on how to break into comics. And the number one thing you'll always 
is here and I would still say is true, but doesn't sound very helpful to somebody who doesn't understand uh, is the the only way you break into comics is to make comics. Uh, so totally. Um, yeah, it, it, it's when when you're looking into it and trying to figure out like, but how do I make how do I make comics? And, and nobody will tell you. <laughs> it's like, um, and so I, I go look in. I try to contact some artists, and um, you know, I, I contact them, and we start discussing. And then anytime um, like rates or anything would come up, I'd get ghosted, and I wouldn't even be told like that's too low or I can't work for like I just get ghosted. So I wasn't learning anything in that that way, and so I kind of got sick of that. And I was like, okay, well that doesn't work. I'm in a really nice. Uh, artistic kind of community up here in, in northern New Mexico. Uh, maybe there's somebody here I can meet. So I try the one place that I could figure out that I, I bought stuff off of and a few times is, is Craigslist. So I go ahead and put up an ad for an illustrator on Craigslist for this. And uh, lo and behold, a couple weeks in, a amazing talent, Maxi Dallo, an Argentinian talent, contacts me through there. And uh, he happens to be up in this area. He has family down in Santa Fe, and he has friends up here. So he comes up here, uh, here and there, a little bit less the last few years, but but he does come up here, here and there. And uh, the timing worked out. He was interested. He um, uh, Argentina doesn't really have a comic book industry. It has amazing talents, wonderful talents, but it doesn't really have the business backbone to uh, uh, keep that up. So like uh, he was mainly doing. Uh, children's books and uh, other kinds of illustrations and he did a little bit of art teaching too and this guy was two years younger than me as well it was quite quite a quite ahead of the game compared to this random kid who, who got a hold of him uh, anyway <laughs> so through craigslist uh, we're chatting and then um, we we end up meeting at mcdonald's he brings his portfolio and wonderful beautiful art and i bring my really kind of shoddy scripts and we, we talk it out we we uh, feel each other out and then um, I give him a copy of the script, and then he comes back. I think it was within a week or a couple of days. I, I couldn't tell which. He has the initial kind of sketches, ideas, and then we talk about rate, and we sign a contract. And we've been working together for like the last seven years since. Um, and uh, so that that was kind of the genesis of it. That was that was really the the, the start of it. Um, and then since then. Uh, we uh, we got the line art for issue number one done, and I did some very bad lettering at the time. I thought it was fine. I didn't understand what I was doing. Um, and um, the next team member that came along was when I was um, I pitched it with my bad lettering uh, for God three two to four years. I'm thinking three. Um, where uh, I was pitching it to publishers and stuff. Again, I had no idea how to break into comics. So I'm just going through motions that I, I, I can understand uh, to figure it out. And of course, no responses. Um, I got one one guy, one publisher from England who actually at least acknowledged that he read it and enjoyed it, but it's not the kind of book that his company publishes. So that was nice. After like years, you get one response and at least it's he's like, something, good. you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and you so, only need one. Yeah, it's it's really rare you'll get a response from submissions anymore, and that's that's kind of too bad. It used to be like a point of pride for a lot of publishing companies, and now they just either don't have the time or just don't want to deal with the headache, and, and and a lot of people lose out. But it, I, I guess I get it. But um, nonetheless, uh, you know, I gave up on that. that. That ended up being disheartening after a while. I was like, no movement or whatever. So then I'm like, okay, well, I'll just put it up for free and start sharing it because at least it'll be seen then, right? And the effort doesn't go to waste. And so I do that, and I start posting on on Reddit just trying to get any kind of movement and again self promo on reddit this is usually a don't know but i lucked out and a letterer uh found us and he's like i love the story i love the art 
your lettering is terrible. Please let me letter this. And I'm like, well, well, you know what you're doing. Please do. <laughs> and, and so he, he goes ahead and does it. And then we get, get a better lettering bit. And he's like, yeah, just, just um, now, now kind of check this out. And so I have this now properly lettered black and white issue. And, um, the next bit from there, um, I think I still try and get it red, and then I get kind of disappointed by the amount of traction I'm getting. And so I finally take the plunge into social media, which I did not ever want to do. But I knew it was a, a, a uh, well, you know what? Actually, there's a step in between that. Uh, once we had the black and white issue uh, with the better lettering, I ran a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo. Um, it was two months and I got $10, I think one backer. Um, and that was the call that got me to join social media. I was like, well, that doesn't work. This isn't just going to happen without me doing more legwork somehow. Uh, so, yeah. so that's, right. that's when I bit that bullet. That's when I bit that bullet. And then, uh, that next campaign, um, beginning of 2018, I want to say, and I had a Twitter account, which was kind of the first thing I was on. I was on Facebook as well. I, I still don't get Facebook, but, um, I did, uh, I got on Twitter and around that time there was a, um, growing awareness of indie comics and just folks trying to look for things outside of the mainstream. And we happened to have something of somewhat quality, if I dare say, and people noticed. And so I interacted properly and I ran another crowdfunding campaign. During that campaign, um, we got quite a bit of awareness, and um, uh, I would link people to the issue, right? So I wasn't just showing panels. I wasn't just, like, talking about something I'm going to do. It's like, you, you can go read it, and if you want to support our work, you can come on in and help us do this. Let's make the line art for issue number two. I'm ready to do number two. And um, so I'm running this campaign for that, and eventually uh, some of our art, uh, one of our full pages, um, finds its way to uh, Matias Laborde, wonderful Spanish um, colorist who who had worked for Boom and IDW and a few other places, and he just wanted to color the page because he loved the page. And so he shared that page as kind of like fan art, and um, me being me and not wasting any opportunities to get this thing moving, I'm like, hey, do you want to color this book? <laughs> he was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this is my price. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to add it as a stretch goal for this book, and if we can hit that, let's color it. And so people got behind us and loved his coloring, so they wanted it colored, and we nailed that stretch goal. During that process wicked publishing i guess was out scouting and saw our work and really enjoyed it and it's like you know do you want to offer print copies from this and i'm like well yeah it's going to get more more attention that way i think and so um that's how i partnered with them we spent a good few months uh, hammering out the details on that and we ran that campaign successfully got it funded uh finished issue one started issue number two and at least on the line art end um and uh matthias finished coloring issue number Number one, and partway through that, it just um, became unfeasible for Matias to keep being a comic book colorist and feed his family, and that sucks because he was an oh. is an amazing talent, but he just wasn't like out of boom and IDW and these big places. He wasn't making enough. He wasn't getting enough gigs. He's a beautiful, wonderful talent. It really bothers me, but he had to step away and go back to a kind of a classic office job, and so. From there, we had to find a way to fill this incredible talent's shoes. And like, I'm a new creator. We just barely got this thing done. We get a print copy together to go send out and all of that. I'm just like, okay, well now, 
now I gotta, we gotta fill this out. And I'm like, I'm on a schedule. So I'm, I'm trying to like make a good impression and get this book out very quick. And so I'm going through colorists and I'm like checking out a bunch of different people. And I'm like, anybody who will look okay will work for me. And Max is like, no, we gotta find the right one. And I'm like, okay, I believe that, but we, we gotta keep this deadline. And uh, eventually I was just like, okay, people are fine. We can wait as a first time campaign, just breathe and find the right person. So eventually after trying out like four colorists on the same page and me liking a couple but none of them like nailing uh the vibe from the first issue uh maxi contacts me about somebody he was looking through and uh, uh and it was stephen cannon another incredible talent and uh, i was looking at his art and i wasn't so sure about it but i was like well it is cleaner and gentler and it is still that vibrancy that i wanted which maxi likes more gritty grimier earthy tones to his work um than than i really wanted for jack um and so uh steven steps on in we try him out and i'm looking at his page and i'm thinking well this is pretty damn good but um, I'm not the biggest fan of it right away. I'm just kind of thinking of it, but I was like, this is, this is pretty damn good. So I show it to Maxie, and Maxie's like, well, I can live with this. I like it. And I'm like, okay, well, he likes it. We're good. We're, good. We're diving in. And then after looking at it for a while and getting used to it, man, I, I got blown away and has brought in more and more pages. Uh, it's just, it was an incredible journey. Um, and that's, that's how we met Steve. Um, I guess I did skip. Um, we did lose that original letterer in the issue number one, issue two transition as well. Um, and we, uh, I ended up contacting a, uh, uh, somebody who did a wonderful piece of fan art for us, um, who could also letter. And so, uh, we've been working with Vince Rush since then on letters and he does a, a stellar job. It's nothing like, um, incredible or distracting, but it, it, it does stay like clean, um, and always very smooth. And so that's, again, I just need a letter that does it way better than me and, and Vince nails it every time. Um, but yeah, and then we've been that that uh, quartet kind of since. Um, you also got to find a graphic designer, so I ran a, a you know a fan art contest for a logo, and we found somebody for that who did the original Jack um, logo. Uh, and then he also had to step away from comics. So <laughs> since issue number three, we've had um, Nico Buffo, who's a friend of Maxi's down in Argentina, uh, for. Um, for the trade dresses and now we have a nice clean set trade dress for all our issues um and um that's kind of been the bit i mean there's more members of the team right but that's that's the core bit of of jack iron steel cowboy and that's kind of the journey and where we've been together since issue two and uh, now we're on four so i mean it it sounds like li listening to that that um at least at least particularly maxi um, but maybe others are, 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 it seems like everybody's really involved in the whole creative process and in the decisions and then how that all works. Is that true? Well, yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I want, um, that's been my bit. I'm a very hands-off project manager. Uh, um, mainly, uh, like, like I said, the, the original bit was like, I, when I was trying to hit a deadline cause I was worried, but then eventually I was like, no, it'll, it'll happen how it needs to happen. Eventually I could breathe. Um, and, um, I don't really like my scripts. If you look at them, they aren't very heavy handed. Maxie's done a lot of things to like, he'll add a panel, take away a panel, turn two pages into a double page spread. Um, all of that, whatever his, he's, 
he's the storyteller of of iron verse and i'm just kind of the narrator and and guiding hand is the best way to say it. but he he really does the storytelling bits of it and so uh since that and since being humbled by that and watching how much better his his expressions of what i'm trying to do are than even what i was imagining would be um it, it humbled me and so i've been very kind of hands-off and allow everything in colors as well right same same thing um closest like i'm more hands-on is when i get the line art in i'll re-script to the line art just so it fits better and flows better for for what i intend and sometimes there's some personality that maxi adds that i can emphasize little, little things like that and then that rough lettering that i do goes to the letter as like the lettering script um, and so he follows that relatively closely, just actually makes the lettering work instead of my kind of messy lettering. Um, but that's like the most hands-on I get with all of it. Um, and uh, of course I, I deal with the business and marketing end, of course, but um, yeah, I mean, everybody's relatively involved pretty strongly. And, and I think the product always ends up so much better uh, because of it. That's uh, that's pretty cool. We do we do something something similar. I mean, the, def, mostly between um, us and our artists, uh, mm. there's a there's a lot of that um, where we'll we'll come up with an idea on a script. Uh, we'll we'll have this beautiful idea of how we want to we ha we have it all written out how we're going to do it just perfectly, and then we'll hand it over to Tosin, and he'll do something completely better than yep. what we had in mind to begin with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the time. All the time. So. Um, I gotta, I gotta ask this question um, about Jack Iron specifically. Um, in the first issue, you refer to him having many. Uh, you use the word fathers uh, or past lives, going back about two thousand years, uh, each bearing the reincarnated spirit that Jack Irons now possesses. Um, it seems like he can clearly access the memories of all those lives, and I'm I'm curious: are we are we at some point going to figure out why he remembers all of that so clearly? Yeah, and I'm glad it's got it like it's a carrot on a stick for you with the series. Cause that's the point. That's the point. It's going to be slowly revealed. Issue number five is going to have like the biggest callback to issue number one, um, but it's it's his constant journey. It's definitely things that are going to be explored the whole time because that's kind of his genesis is where it came from is dealing with that that weight and and being stuck with it and maybe learning to respect it, learning to love it, whatever. Um, there's there's a lot of ways to take it. There's a lot of potential. But um, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, that kind of um, leads into the next thing I was going to ask. Um, immortality and uh, reincarnation, it's just one of those abilities that's always fascinated me. And I don't think it's stretched to say that it is for you as well, but um, I, think, I feel like the heart of a good immortality story is showing how being able to live on forever weighs on the immortal. Or to quote the 12th Doctor, immortality isn't living forever, that's not what it feels like. Immortality is everyone else dying. Um, and, and I think we've seen that, uh, that Jack has lost many people in his lives. Uh, and, and I feel like that has to weigh on him. Um, how much would you say that that sense of loss has affected who uh, Jack becomes? Well, I hope that's communicated, um, particularly in issue two, where he gets kind of a a callback to joining the you know the 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 bit. Um, there's there's a good chunk in issue number two where Jack, uh, you, uh, I think the page starts with, "Well, you might have might be wondering where I was uh, all this time, or something like that. Where yeah. the hell I was all this time?" And um, he was wandering. He was just kind of existing. He was lost in self pity. 
um, because of that weight, because of those those burdens and the inability to ever escape them as far as he can tell. And there are still things core to him as a person, as 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 a human being that matter to him. And he stumbles across this little girl named Sarah, and that reminds him of that and helps bring him back to the fold and back to an awareness. Um, now, he's still ready to kind of dodge that awareness until issue number three, where a closest thing to a brother uh, that he's ever had kind of shows back up and tries to, eh, I mean, he's studying him, but maybe knocks a little bit of sense with, to, into him and then adds another character to stick for, for Jack to actually go and check something out that maybe he, and only he almost can go and check out um, with that, without any, you know, uh, <laughs> risk. He needs to go into hell and, and, and an immortal can go into hell. Most of the reg regular people, not 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 so easy. Not so easy. <laughs> yeah, I can I can totally see that. And Jack is definitely qualified for that. Um, I did have another question about that issue, um, and particularly about the Native American background. Um, now, one of Jack's lives takes place in the late 1700s, with Jack being raised by both Native and American fathers. So that's another um, aspect of the many fathers thing. But I had noticed that Jack's middle name is Nathaniel, and that made me think of Natty Bumpo, uh, a.k.a. Hawkeye from Last of the Mohicans. Um, and I noticed a couple of other parallels. Um, was that an intentional influence, or am I reading too much into it? Uh, slightly intentional. It wasn't directly. Um, I don't know if I had heard the name. I was just like Jonathan Nathaniel Irons as a name. Uh, but there is some Last of the Mohicans in there, um, very much so. Um, that, that's another, it's a pseudo-Western, right? It's a little bit before that period, but it's still got a lot of those tropes to it. Um, it's a little bit rom more romantic than what I do in Jack, though. Um, but um, yeah, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't directly, but there is a little bit of that. There is, for sure. So um, my question uh, in issue two there, um, you, you really start to to blend together the the the, the stories and the and the histories and the mythologies in that one with the, you know I I, I don't want to give too much away but I'm particularly curious uh, about uh, the old west stuff um, and particularly the Native Americans. Um, it seems like uh, you're inspired by maybe a, a specific tribe. I was wondering if there if there was a, a specific group you're 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 emulating there. Well, um, personally, I have a lot, and it's not blood relatives, but I have a lot of the um, family I've had since I was a kid are um, Tiwa, people of the Red Willow up here in northern New Mexico at the Taos Pueblo. Um, so I spent a lot of my youth with those uh, wonderful people, and uh, so did my uh, so did my parents. Um, my dad, uh, he was he spent a lot of time um, with the Blackfoot, Blackfoot tribe, um, but... Um, Honestly, uh, like in issue one, the native tribe that that's dealing with is part of the, the Lakota Confederation. Um, so it's nothing like overly specific. Um, I try to be respectful because those specifics can be very, uh, the word that comes to mind is sacred to these people. Totally. So I tried, mm -hmm. I tried to be as respectful and um, confer more my personal experiences and, and what I got out of the wonderful cultures I've experienced more than the actual like expression of the culture. Cause that's not, you know, it's not my place, but um, 
so there's there's a lot of of that for sure but nothing so specific but nothing so um out of touch like um uh, uh Trusan, i believe is oh god um no, it's going to bug me. He's either Cheyenne or Crow, and it really bugs me that I don't remember right now. I believe it's Cheyenne. Um, so there's there's a, a lot of that where I wasn't trying to treat it as one uh, amalgamation, but I also didn't want to get that specific because it would limit a lot of the storytelling potential. So I tried to be respectful. But also, you know, I'm conveying again my experiences more than more than truth. That's totally understandable, and um, I, I think it's really good that you're like drawing more from experience where possible. Uh, that that that's really interesting. But um, I also kind of wonder um, what is your research process for things that are outside of your experience um, dealing with jack irons. Um, you know, particularly like you know, talking about the historical uh, time periods like ancient Greece or Sumeria and whatnot. Again, my my experience, what I've come across. Um, that's why, like in issue uh, one's original printing, I wanted it to be Athens, which did have kings at a point, and they did have co-kings at one point, but it was a very short period. Most of the time, they've been a form of democracy, and so a lot of people like that pulled them out of the story uh, because they knew Athens was there. And I had originally wrote it as Sparta, but then Sparta was so trope heavy and and implied a lot of different militant angles that i uh the the more aries aspect than the uh, athena aspect that i wanted to convey but eventually i was like well if it's pulling people out of the story then it's not serving its purpose so uh, and, and i think it also makes Jack a spartan. little less uh stereotypical like yeah he's a big tough guy he, of course he was a spartan um and yeah. i think making him from athens is, is different than that it was but again we we did bow to to uh Con, not not continuity, but but to folks' experience. Again, I didn't want it pulling readers mm -hmm. out, and it was pulling some readers out very specifically. So in future, like after the first printing, uh, it's been Sparta. It's gone back to Sparta because they did have co-kings as well. So um, I gotta say, uh, one of my one of my favorite parts um, of how you're of how you're doing this with the with the blending of things is uh, uh, your your version of the the four horsemen of Revelation. Um, I, I you you mentioned you, you, you kind of make them in this. Uh, th there's definitely an iron verse twist to them that that makes them all your own. I think, but um, I, w I mean, you mentioned uh, a Lovecraftian kind of an idea. Um, but I mean, how much of how much of the the revelation side of that is is involved in there? It bleeds in quite a bit. It's been weird how like the the writing goes on with with time, but um, uh, not terribly directly. The end of issue four, we quote a small passage that also Johnny Cash quotes, right? Um, but um, there's there's been there's been a little bit here and there. Uh, but nothing's so direct because there there's a there's a few definite changes between the biblical sense and the uh, more pop culture sense, which is what I, I mainly take from the pop culture end of it. Um, even where we went with their character designs and such, we wanted to be more um, instantly recognizable as their what they are like um but also again like you said have our have our own twist on them and, and again it's it's 
there's a lot of it there in the background, but it's it, again, it, it's more to serve as flavor and gravitas than how we're approaching the storytelling. I think I think that's the best way I could say it. Yeah, well, that, mm-hmm. yeah, that totally makes that totally makes sense. I I can I can see that it's uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely going in its own direction. I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, now um, looking at issue two, I'm kind of noticing that at this point we start seeing Jack, Jack soften a little bit, uh, and we start seeing a little bit of compassion under the steel exterior, and and we already talked a little bit about Sarah. But um, I feel like it kind of displays uh, what may be Jack's core conflict, which is um, that he wants to care about people, but he's afraid of hanging around anybody too long to get attached to them. Um, would you say that that was, that was kind of like at the back of his mind uh, during his, you know, big talk uh, with the elder uh, towards the end of that issue? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's that whole bit, you know, how do how do we how do we keep moving? And I guess we both got a got a long time to figure it out. Um, that that's exactly one of the main core core conflicts. Again, and, and it made a lot of logical sense to me. And as you spoke uh, of uh, uh, the doctor there, uh, it's the same kind of idea. It's it's that all this this weight of if you're becoming attached to these people and you know that they are going to be almost like candle flickers. It's going to go very quickly, um, and then you. Have have in Jack's case a bunch of previous life memories as well where it's been part of that as you know before where he would actually pass alongside them eventually um that that all of this weight and love and hope and all the deepest emotion hate even mm-hmm. right um that that's there that eventually like you kind of maybe want to take a break from it and that's kind of where we find Jack at the beginning of, of of issue two well middle of issue two beginning of issue two um our our main framing device for the first arc of Jack one through three is is him sitting at a bar after this re- recount it and kind of a forced gump kind of framing device and um uh so at that point he is more invested he's actually back in towns he's interacting with people he's he's rambling to somebody who might not care to listen but but he is still reaching out and telling his his tale um and, and humanity's tale um which again is kind of supposed to be kind of pretty close to one in the same and um with with issue four, where we're moving more into um, the adventure aspect, but before that, of course, that that's why you know seeing Sarah, seeing this little girl out in the middle of nowhere by herself with with loss and no way to survive. That's a core like patriarchal human sense to at least take her home, take her to some place where she can be safe because that's you're here in that time. It's it's kind of your duty, um, and so that's that's what does it. And he goes back and he gets a talking to from one of the other women he's saved as a little girl um kitty mcintyre the uh, sheriff of new deadwood basically the highest ranking human being alive um and um from there he kind of remembers these connections and he he wanders off when it bears too much and they have uh, quite a conversation about that in issue number three okay um now i will get into another relationship uh probably the one relationship where he doesn't have to worry about anyone dying but it goes wrong in a different way uh you mentioned his brother earlier so i'm gonna try not to ask you to spoil too much or or try to do that myself but um i found it fascinating but one thing that i found it interesting is that um the one that that we the brother that we see in the flashbacks um seems to act a bit differently than uh the ones that we see in the more present day sequences um, but he seems to recall Jack really well. 
Um, and I also kind of like the cultural conflict uh, between the two. Um, is there anything more that you could tell us about this character uh, without spoiling too much? And can we expect to see more of that relationship and how he changed in the later issues? Uh, significantly, and yes. Um, so uh, the the being known in modern, like, current Ironverse comics times known as tracker um what he and jack um there's there's a few of these uh odd blips in human history of these immortals and there is jack and tracker that we've met so far uh, micaiah trucent and um micaiah as he got older he didn't he doesn't have the past life memories that jack does so it changed him in ways that in different ways than how jack changed and so that eventually in, in issue three as you saw causes a rift it causes a split where where jack just like I, I can't deal with this but this is but they tried for a long time they finally found something where a person that isn't going to disappear so they try and have that connection they try and build something out of that connection and when it goes wrong it left uh, a more sour taste on uh, on tracker than it did on jack and whereas jack kind of forsook humanity and just kind of wallowed tracker forsook humanity but in a quest for power um and and as that grows, we'll see. But you tracker uh, Earth's top predator, or tracker top predator is what his short is is called. Um, he has quite a bit coming. He has quite a bit coming. He is another. He's probably the first besides. Uh, he's the first introduced. Um, hopeful spinoff character in, in Ironverse comics, uh, whereas Catch Coyote was the first to kind of come in from the outside and and work almost towards the middle from Jack work in a different way. Uh, Tracker is is the first that kind of has his own mechanics and his own wants and desires alongside Jack. And um, I've tried to just kind of hit that something's going on in issue three. And throughout the second arc, we're going to see a little bit more of what he was hinting at and why. Nice. Um, I guess you would say then that he is kind of like a dark mirror of Jack in some ways. Yeah, that was a big part, part of the, yeah, what I was doing with that. Exactly. Okay. Um, and I think kind of beyond that, and I think you kind of touched on it earlier, um, the, the one of the things that I kind of noticed uh, getting, you know, into the later issues is that, you know, we start seeing um, a found family uh, approach sort of emerging, you know, both with the brother, even though they're estranged, and also um, with Sarah and then the other character, Kitty, who seems to be like almost in a way um, what Sarah might become in the future when she gets older. And I was kind of noticing that, um, was the found family idea on your mind from the start? And how much would you say that it contributes to Jack's uh, character arc going forward? Uh, it's been there for the start because it's, it's part of me as well. Uh, only child, uh, just my parents. And then they, they had friends, they had family. And then, of course, my friends uh, who became my family, even my animals <laughs> became my family, right? So that's kind of a core of, like, who I am. So that was going to work its way into Jack one way or another. Um, but um, I think also it's sort of logical for, again, a, a long-lived character whose bloodline um, – that's something that people have asked me to touch on is like, can he sire? And I haven't touched on that and I'm saving that uh, for down the road. But um, the uh, um, 
that is definitely core and and it's kind of core to how i was approaching this the story structure as well how you know new deadwood functions as a found family all these refugees alien refugees how how um remnants of humanity who wander in from the wastes come in are are adopted and protected under the new deadwood uh, uh reservation um it's the it's 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 very much a core finding your place uh, even if it's not through blood is is a is a it's definitely core to jack I think that's totally something. I mean, uh, I think most people can probably uh, uh, relate to that in some fashion. I mean, that's a it's a great that's a great idea to have in your character arc. That that really works cool. Um, but I gotta say, I I was not sure what to expect going into this. Um, I guess I guess I was thinking Jack Irons was something along the lines of a sci-fi western, and I, and I think there there is some truth to that. But to describe it that way after reading issues one through three feels like talking about a cup of water out of a lake. Uh, that, that is to say, there's a lot more going on in the Ironverse when you consider the enormous amalgamated world of myths and alt history and world building you put into each issue. I'm I'm particularly impressed by your ability to convey a lot of world building information in a way that feels very natural. It's not like a big info dump. It's it's a well manicured narration, uh, and it's and it's really easy to follow and has a great premise. I mean, Jack's just talking to a guy in a bar. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I, I I mean I I gotta ask have you have you actually taken uh, any classes read some books or studying on writing or writing comics specifically? Um, I mean since yes I've read a uh, since so not when I started um, and not even like issue three like like since since issue three I have I've read a couple books on on uh, particularly oh what's his what's Alan's back there give me a second. Scott McCloud. I've read oh, a couple yeah. of his books, um, but understanding but honestly, comics. Yeah, that's yes, awesome. understanding comics and making comics. I think those are two. There is a third one, but it's a little bit more esoteric. I think it has more to do with art than than um, uh, than than general comics. But um, uh, nonetheless, uh, no, not really. I've always had like a flair. So part of what helps carry those info dumps, and some people it lands better than others. I'm glad it landed well with you. Um, is is I love po I love words, and I love poetic words. I love very descriptive words. I love underused words, and so I think that helps uh, keep it a bit more entertaining, a bit more descriptive, a bit more. Uh, it's tough to tough to describe, but that'll work, um, and. Um, so I, th I think that's part of the flow, right? And and doing it in a narrative capacity like I did with that framing device allowed me to have it more spoken than, I don't know, like if you're reading it in prose or something where it could feel a lot more heavy, where it's not just... And I think I did okay doing the jumping around as well. And that, that can be very difficult. But no, I don't have any like education on that, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I will say that uh, you probably managed to fool me on that. It looks like maybe Mike as well. Um, I will say that um, I appreciate how effortlessly the story blends genre elements while feeling primarily like a Western. Um, and I will say the samurai element uh, fits perfectly with that because they've always had this connection, but moving on. No, um, that was the bingo. I like doing uh, that's that part of Jack too. Part of why I chose Jack, besides the the name Jack, besides mm -hmm. the American and Western folklore connotations with I, which I really wanted, um, was uh, Samurai Jack. I wanted to yeah. do that little spaghetti Western taken from from a even though it was not an Eastern influence. It was just I thought that was kind of fun, kind of like what what the spaghetti westerns did with the Kurosawa films. 
Yeah, that's 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 cool. Um, how how do you and your team manage to keep the tone and style consistent with all the different genre elements? You know that you're using from like Road Warrior to you know Sorted Sandals and and things like that. I um I don't know. <laughs> no, it's just uh, what feels no, right. No, I, I think what it is is it's it's got a very um, solid foundation um, in, in what we're trying to tell. It's got very strong intent, and um, it's got great uh, an amazing storyteller behind it with Maxie's artwork he's able to make make those things work and i think my scripts do handle the 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 blending because i use those genre elements for very specific reasons they're not just used right they're not just mm -hmm. there for flavor they're there for intent again the cowboy i wanted that that very specific influence in it even him wearing metal so he has a little bit of chivalrous intent a little bit of knighthood feel to him yeah. um, i wanted that um there's there's like some the very gunslinger exactly and and having um it be a little bit more mad maxi a little bit rougher looking armor that also kind of denotes his character right and the character design has been one of the things we've been praised with uh, the most because it's very strong and very evocative of what the character is and so um we we again i i tend to use when i'm writing i'm using those genre elements very specifically and i think that's that's why it works um one reviewer described it as um uh, if i remember the quote mr fernandez has used a shotgun when he should have used a sniper rifle nonetheless he hit his target and so that 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 i think that kind of <laughs> That kind of explains it. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely paints a picture, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so, um, of course, I want to get into uh, Jack Irons of Steel Cowboy number four. I mean, why don't you tell us uh, about your campaign, what people can get, you know, uh, what, what's going on with this new Indiegogo campaign? Well, we're, we're doing all right. We're moving forward. I think we're at about 31% as of this recording, which is honestly pretty dang good since we're asking for thirteen five, uh, you know, $13,500 to get this done. Uh, that is what it costs. You can go ahead and check it out on Indiegogo. I break down what the, the prices go to. But um, with issue number four, we're starting a transition to a different type of storytelling. Um, we have finished the introductory trilogy, which was more of a thought experiment, and more of. So we're not losing that behind. I can't escape that. It's kind of the, the point of Jack. It's a, it's a lot of a lot of thinking. Um, but um, with issue number four, story-wise, we are finally diving into the Four Horsemen's territory. In this case, Famine Inc.'s territory. Uh, I framed it. Uh, out of two very old tales, one from the east and one from the west. Uh, from the west, it's got a bit of Dante's Inferno as we travel through layers of hell, um, in a, four layers of hell in particular. And uh, it's, can I just it's, say uh, hell yeah to that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yes you can, yes you can. And then uh, the actual structure, what I'm discussing with i guess is the best way and it fits perfectly with what we're doing with jack is the four sites of the buddha people are familiar with that story it was uh when siddhartha became aware of life outside the palace and the human condition um so it's it's kind of what we're doing with jack is that he's been gone for a long time and he hasn't faced what 
he never faced. It, it's what what our tagline for this is: help us face Galactic Armageddon. Because Jack's going in, and he's finally looking it in the eye after a very long period of time. And so we will encounter four different aspects of that uh, in issue four, <laughs> and um, hopefully we'll come out with uh, a, a little bit of hope and a little bit of fun and a whole lot of awesome artistry. Um, our books are um, since issue number two have been thirty two pages of story content and sixty pages of bonus content so it'll be a 48 page floppy um, so a relatively large floppy comic book um, you can snag one through four right now um, through there physically there's only about a hundred of that bundle i think 17 are gone as of this recording so if you're interested in grabbing all of them uh, now's the time um, also uh, you can get a little wooden standee uh, there's a we sold all the original art, so you're out of luck in that until maybe later in the campaign. Um, and uh, there are the the only other big tier is a hand painted four inch resin figure, which I hand paint and, and do a certificate of authenticity and all that. I, I live stream the painting if you want to interact or guide me how you want it painted. Um, and uh, there's digital tiers, of course, to gather, grab all four issues. There's a digital tier just for number one, uh, just for issue four. There's a tier just to grab issue number one, if you just want issue number one uh, with its digital. Um, and uh, we tried to have something to set an entry point for everybody. And uh, if you're still unsure and you're listening to this and you're like, well, this is intriguing, but I don't want to put any money down, uh, you can go to ironversecomics.com and we offer issue number one free to read on Global Comics. And uh, you can see if it's for you. If you like issue number one, you'll probably like two three and four so uh, that that's awesome um how long do you uh, plan for jack to keep going uh, do you have an ending in mind or, or do you are just going as for as long as you have stories to tell with him so it is an ongoing series. By all intent, I hope to be able to pass the mantle to another writer or set of writers. Uh, Jack's history is massive and his future is equally massive. So there's a lot of ground to cover, a lot of potential. But we do have an end to all of Ironverse comics. Uh, we've had it planned forever. So if there comes a time where it feels necessary or correct to pull that trigger, we have a, a, a beautiful ending to all of it that kind of speaks to what the intent of, of the entire effort of Ironverse Comics, the imprint, uh, what, what it's trying to do is. Um, and so so there is an end, but our hope is I won't get to see it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be ideal. Um, now, Cody, would you like to talk to us about anything else you've got coming up? Um, is there anything that you want to explore either in Jack's universe or with other projects that you want to share? And just for fun, uh, since you feature some crossover art in the book, is there anybody you'd like to see Jack crossover with? So crossovers are tough. Crossovers are tough. Um, most of those have been from other folks, and I kind of count it as fan art. Uh, it's not that I don't love uh, the idea of crossovers. It's just it's tough to work with Jack. He's a very, um, again, it's a very there's a lot of intent behind the character so you have to um nail that intent so i have written one crossover script with a certain individual um that i would love to see manifest but it takes time and and we'll see how that comes together uh so far it's the only thing i've seen that i've um so far that i would like to see move forward in that um but there's been a lot of amazing pieces i'm so grateful for every single one and all the time and interest we get but um uh otherwise what we're what we're doing is so there's like i think there's about seven titles planned under ironverse comics right now um 
two or three technically are in production. Uh, this third one kind of came out of nowhere, and I love it, and it's still kind of a secret, so I can't say much about it. But soon, sooner or later, I think I believe during this campaign, folks will see it, and it'll be a nice little surprise, and it might be uh, a real nice surprise with uh, number four. Just, just so, so keep an eye out, folks. Keep an eye out. But um, Cactus Coyote, of course, I've loved his work forever. He has 20 arcs planned for that, and uh, not just planned, I think he has at least 15 of them written. He's a prolific screenwriter kind of guy, so that's, that's what he does. He just bolts down and writes. Um, so that's been, been wonderful working with him. Uh, he He's the uh, enigmatic mangaka dollar coins. Uh, he is co-editor at Ironverse Comics, and he's helped forge our cosmos and kept myself on track. Um, and uh, you can read the his first effort, his 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 manga, uh, also for free on ironversecomics.com. If folks are curious what we're doing a little bit in the future, what Jack Irons is doing, and we're working towards a middle and a connection. Um, Otherwise, uh, the few other titles I talked about a lot when I started out thinking that I could get that moving quicker. So I've quieted down on those a bit. Of course, I mentioned Tracker Top Predator before. I've had an eight-page short. I wanted to include an issue three, but just couldn't um, due, due to, uh, you know, financing. But um, uh, that still has Vincent Rush attached to line art. He has a wonderful... Um, uh, early kind of 90s style to him, and I, I love that script very much. It is uh, one of those dialogue-less scripts that's pretty much all action and flow, so I'd love to see if we can pull that off. But um, uh, there are a few other titles in the works I'd love to see. There's there's a title that explores um, more of the eastern side of the apocalypse um, that I'd love to see manifest as well. It's got a couple scripts sitting. Um, there's a... a the horseman's child i want to see move in uh there's a lot of cool stuff in the works but we you know we need your help to face collect to come again it's the only way we can do it um this isn't a um i mean it's a passion project absolutely um but so much so you know it, it doesn't run on our own fumes uh, i can give it a little bit of gas here and there myself but it's pretty much always been manifested by the wonderful readers and fans and, and folks like you two who take the time to listen and share and enjoy our work Awesome. Awesome. That that sounds really cool. You got me kind of drooling over here. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so um, we're, we're actually we're actually about out of time for this interview, but um, we want to thank you for coming on the show and talking with us about your comics. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jack Irons is something special and it's been fun just talking about what you have coming out. So uh, thanks for coming on to Chats and Comics with us. Well, thank you folks again so much for having me and thank your listeners for listening to me jaw on. There's something I'm good at. It's usually that. <laughs> Before we go, I was hoping you could tell everybody where they can find you and your books online. All right. Well, um, specifically, the most, if you want to interact with me, the most interactive I am are on two platforms, Twitter, at Cowboy underscore Steel or at Ironverse Comics. Um, either of those tags will reach me. Uh, also, uh, handles will reach me. Also, Ironverse Comics on YouTube. Or if you're kind of forgetful and don't remember any of that, you can go to ironversecomics.com up at the contact uh, section up at the top of the page. We have all our listings on all the social media platforms that we're on, which is most of them. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. And, of course, our free reads are on there as well. So if you want to take a dive, that's that's the best place to figure out if it's for you. 
All right. Awesome. Um, you know, for our listeners, we want you to know that not only do we recommend that you go out and back Jack Irons number four on Indiegogo, Steve and I have already backed it on behalf of Omen mm-hmm. Comics and Revelation Comics ourselves. So we're walking the talk here. Jack Irons is a fun character, and this is a fun story. As a comic book writer, I can tell you that this is a well-thought-out and well-written and brilliantly produced story. Uh, But if I might give a word of caution, if you see Jack Irons as Steel Cowboy, you can do a lot of things to him, even make him get a little pungy in his boot. But you'd best say howdy, because he doesn't take too kindly to folks that don't. (laughs) <laughs> we'll be back at, uh, with ORP uh, episode in just a couple of days, but you'll see us next month for another episode of our Indie Comics Spotlight. I hope you've had fun hanging out with us today on ORP. I know that Steve and I have had fun making this episode. If you've had fun too, we invite you to share this episode and help us get the word out. For our Spotify listeners, we ask you to please rate our show as well. That can really help to grow our audience. But to all our listeners everywhere, we want to say thank you for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.